Happy Mother's Day. Everybody have got their mom something besides uh, I got my mom something, but since I have to take care of my boys, I have to pick that up on the way home. Too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not sitting modeling very much for you. I've had this book in my library for, uh, oh, there you are right there. You just blew my whole secret there. I thought you weren't going to make it to the second service. Uh, I've had this little book in my library for years, and it was always one of those little books. You know, I bet I'll use that one time, and, and today is that time. Our Erwin Lutzer is pastor of Moody Church in Chicago. name of the book, If I Could Change My Mom and Dad, and it's a collection of, of little letters that uh, children's pastors in his church have asked their kids to write, hey, if I could change my mom and dad, and not only children's pastors, youth pastors as well, what would you do? And let me just, let me just read a few of them for you. If I could change my mom and dad, I would like for them to discipline me in love and not in anger. I would also like for them to show their love more each day. I would want them just to know how to show love instead of anger or impatience. That's from a girl age 14. From a girl age 12. If I could change my mom and dad, I would teach them to hug and tell me they love me. My parents never hugged me. My older brother gets all, capital A-L-L, -L, the attention. Sometimes I wish I could get really sick and maybe they would notice me. Only wish they would hug me. A uh, girl age 10. If I could change my mom or dad, I'd make them listen to what I'd say because it might be important. <laughs> Boy age 7. If I could change my mom. My mom or dad, I'd ask him to, to play with me because they hardly ever play with me. Boy age 11, I would ask them to be more patient with me. P-A-Y-S-H-U-N-T. Patient. Just exactly the way it sounds. Patient. This is my favorite. Boy age 17. If I could change my mom or dad, how would I change them? I love them greatly, and I, don't, I see no great faults. They're great. I do think my mom needs to enforce her rules a bit more, especially on my brothers. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm going to read this one real quickly and go to the next one, okay? Girl age 15. I'd put my mom on a diet. Okay. All right. Changing the subject. All right. Boy age 12, change them to be married again and to become Christians. Uh, if I could change my mom or dad, I would like them to become Christians and they would go to church. Um, they go to church sometimes, but they don't really listen or sing. Um, I'm going to deliver two messages this morning. One is a five-minute little devotional thought on mothers, and then I'm going to start a sermon series that we'll be in for the next few weeks. When we come in here on Mother's Day, we're not here to worship moms. We're here to worship the God of moms. 
But God did create mothers. I assume God could have dropped us down into this world any old way that he chose to. But he chose family. And he chose moms to be able to uh, bring us into this world. And I was at my aunt's who died like three weeks ago. She was cremated and buried yesterday. And, and it was just a, another reminder of her two daughters and son were there, another reminder of, of, of as they eulogized her, of how important moms are to us. I want to read a scripture for you that comes from First Timothy. First, excuse me, Second Timothy. Second Timothy is a, uh, a letter that Paul writes to Timothy. To his young son in the faith, and he actually calls him a son in the faith, Timothy. And he says in this passage of scripture, he says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you, Timothy, in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Timothy, uh, I have been reminded of this your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother and then in your mother. Paul Homer was a Ph.D. at Yale Divinity School. He was a scholar's scholar. He had an earned doctor of philosophy. He had honorary degrees that he was given. He had visiting lectureships all across the United States and uh, abroad as well. He was an author. Uh, one day, one of his students came up to him and posed uh, somewhat of a challenge to him. and says, Dr. Homer, why do you believe in God? And I would assume that student thought this is something of an intellectual challenge and expected an intellectual answer. But this scholar, Dr. Homer, replied, because my mother told me. I'm reminded of your sincere faith that first existed in your grandmother, Lois. And then in your mother, Eunice. Because my mother told me. Moms, whether they be spiritual things or not, never underestimate the power that you have as mothers. And some things we believe, spiritual or maybe not spiritual, just plainly because our mother told us. Don't underestimate the authority <laughs> that you have to be able to pass on. And also never underestimate that in spiritual things the faith is better caught than taught. Dr. Homer gave an intellectual answer because my mother told me. Paul says to Timothy, uh, I remember this faith that you caught from your grandmother and from your mother as well. So 
whether your kids are in the home or whether they're out of the home. Uh, moms, um, you have great influence. You have great impact in all areas, spiritual and otherwise. Uh, many of us could stand and testify about what our mother told us. And we still remember it today. One thing my mother told me was to be able to uh, uh, always on Sunday, our family was going to church. And as long as you are in this home, you will do the same. And uh, today I start a sermon series on the church, just a three-week series. And I'm going to take some of the same passages that Dr. Madeline, didn't you appreciate Dr. Madeline? And, and I appreciate him, but I appreciate you all as well. Our attendance was really good. And um, like it or not, it just seems like there's more energy here when there are more people. We had good worship services. And I appreciate uh, your attendance and you supporting that revival, encouraging him. One of our prayer requests going into that revival is that as he ministered to us, we would minister back to him. And he commented on what a good time that uh, he has. And he said every time he comes here, he does. So I want to take some of the same passages that uh, Dr. Manley uh, used. Acts chapter 1, I believe I've got it up here, don't we, Mark? He started in Acts 2. I'll go back uh, to Acts 1 just a little bit and be able to uh, show you some things. Jesus has... Risen from the dead, he is giving some teaching to the disciples before he ascends to his Father. And on one occasion, while he, that's Jesus, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still in this mindset that the Messiah was going to, it was an earthly kingdom. That the Messiah was somehow going to be able to push Pontius Pilate off of his rule, and it was going to be an earthly kingdom. And the kingdom would be returned to Israel instead of Rome. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What we have next, Mark? Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room. This is the disciples. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room. Jesus has now already ascended. He says, you need to go back and you need to wait. And they're doing what Jesus told them. They arrived to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. One more. And then passes a Dr. Manley referred to. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, could you go back to, to the first, the logo screen, please? 
You may or may not have noticed that in the past six or seven weeks, we have a new logo. And this, wow, this sounds really heretical to you. For the next three weeks, I'm going to preach the logo. I hope it's biblical. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why that logo was chosen and the vision behind that logo and the understanding behind that logo. This logo uh, came to us by a graphic artist in Romania. We, there is something called logotournament.com, and you put a prize on uh, there on the Internet and like a $300 prize, and you have contributions that come from all over the world. You tell them kind of what your ideas are for a logo. We had 400 submissions all over the world, and some dude from Romania won the logo. Now, raise your hand if you see the arrows that are pointing out. Everybody see those arrows that are pointing out? Who sees the arrows pointing in? Does anybody not see the arrows pointing out? This logo was a complete serendipity. You know what I mean by serendipity? When you go looking for something and you find something else. You're, you're looking for my, I'm looking for my car keys, but I, I find that cell phone I lost two years ago. It's a serendipity. Um, inventors were trying to come up with something. I can't remember the story. Inventors were trying to come up with something, and just by a complete accident, a serendipity of trying to invent that one thing, they invented post-it notes. And it was just a complete accident. This logo ended up as a complete accident, and I'm trusting somehow God was in all of our working some, some way in all of this. Logos, we asked for a logo that, that spoke to the external focus of our church. And thus you see the errors pointing out. And we had all kinds of, of examples of errors pointing out that, that would point that we are a church and, and, and we are not only the church when we're in the building, we're the, we, we're the church when we're out. And we wanted to be externally focused and we wanted the logo to say that. And so we were in staff meeting one day and we were looking at this logo and we were saying, are we all comfortable with the logo? And some people liked it and some people didn't like it quite as much as some other ones, so forth and so on. Then Greg Parkman says, all I see is the errors pointing in. I said, what? I'd never seen any errors pointing in. I said, where are their errors pointing in? And he said, in the white space between the arrows. I'd never seen it. And there it was. Now I can hardly even look at it without seeing the errors pointing in. And the cool thing about this, it, it hit me immediately. That's exact, that's more of a reason why we want this, because it talks to us about who we should be as a church. What does the church do? And you, if you listen closely the last four or five weeks, I've given you a little hints of it. We gather and we scatter. That's all the church does. That's all the church does. We gather errors in and we scatter. And so many times you hear preachers, and, and rightfully so, we, we're talking about that we need to be externally focused and all of that. We don't want to be too internal, and that's really, really good. But the gathering part is, in, is, is this crucial, however we may gather. And, it, and it, to gather well is just as important as to be able to scatter well. So by the grace of God or a coincidence or something, God was watching out for us 
fools on the staff, and he said, this is what your logo needs to be. You need to gather well, and you need to scatter well. Now, there's nobody going to drive down the street and see that and figure that out. The logo is pretty much for us. The logo is pretty much for us understanding who it is, what we do, and why we do it. And I'll be talking through that. But when you see that logo, that tells you who we are as a church. We gather and we scatter. Hopefully every time you see that logo, it'll remind you that we gather and we scatter. You know, we are all kinds of weird things if you keep up with what's going on in church from the emerging church. And, and there's emerging church goes out on the deep head, edge on some things. But what they really helped us is to help us get outside of the walls of our church and be more missional. And, and, and the scattering is so, so important where we go out and we're salts and light. And we go out where the Bible tells us to be ambassadors. And we go out and God sends us out. But that's crucial. But friends, it's no more crucial than the gathering. And we gather so we can scatter. We gather well so we can scatter even better. And I would like for every single time in whatever on a note card that we may send you, on a stationery, whether we post it here and there. And when you see that, you're going to be reminded, what is this church all about? Well, we want to gather well. Man, we want to, we, however we gather, Sunday morning, Sunday school, small group. Um, there, was a, there, was, there was a group that the Macaulays have about once a month, some people in their home just for kind of some get-together kind of stuff. You know, one of the, one of the bad things about still living in Springboro and still can't sell our houses, is we can't have people over to, to our house like we'd really like to if we were over here. Anytime the church gathers, whether it's for overtly spiritual thing like a Sunday morning or whether you're coming over to Mark and Sue's for Sue's world-famous banana pudding, that's a gathering of people. And that's what we do as a church. It's, 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 it's biblically mandated but we must scatter as well. Now, if you go back to the scripture that I gave you, let's talk a little bit about the gathering today. A little bit about the gathering. Go back to the very first scripture that I gave you. Mark, if you can. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What makes gatherings good? Whether it's 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, whether it's 6 o'clock on Sunday night, whether it's whenever your small group meets, when it's ever we gather as a church. You know, we're gathering when we have our back-to-school bash over there and 60 of us come and help. Whenever we gather as people, what makes a gathering well? These people will gather here. They met together, and Jesus says, Man, you wait. There's something coming. Let me tell you what makes a gathering good. What makes some people come up to me and say, wow, Mark, wow, I just really sense God's presence today. And, the next, and a person right after then comes up and says, it was too cold in the sanctuary today. <laughs> you know what makes a difference in those two things? a sense of expectation when you come into this place. These people were told to wait for the gift Father had promised. 
Wait for the Holy Spirit and he will move upon you. What's the next scripture we have over there? When they met together, they were meeting together. The gathering together is biblical. It's the most natural thing in the world to get together with like-minded people. Whether you're Buckeyes fans or Wolverine fans or Republicans or Democrats, it's the most natural thing to get together with people who think like you. You cannot avoid the gathering together. And some people put down the church and say, we just need to be out there. No. The gathering together is biblical. When they met together, there was an expectation. Lord, when is it you're going to be able to return the kingdom? He had to correct them about that. He had to tell them, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Friends, what makes a gathering something good is an expectation that God is going to be here and he's going to move. That God is going to show up and he's going to speak to me. We prayed for that for our revival. And I think that was answered prayer. We should no less pray for that every single time we gather, whether it's the corporate worship service or whether it's something completely different. A sense of expectation. Some of you have been in church 30, 40, 50, and 60 years. I hope, even though you've heard countless sermons, even though you've heard countless new programs that a pastor has started, even though you've heard countless new visions that a pastor has had, even though worship leaders have tried new things and children pastors have tried new things, you've seen them all, but I pray for your soul that you would still come into this place with a sense of expectation of what God has for you. One of the worst things that we can have in any walk of life and spiritual as well, is to have a been there, done that type of attitude. One of the worst things we can have in any area at all, especially spiritual, is an attitude like, well, I, I've been in this thing all my life. You know, what's he going to teach me? What new do I have to be able to learn? <coughs> Friends, there is an expectation as you come into this place. Not because Mark's such a good preacher. Not because Brandon's such a good worship leader. Not because of anything like that. It's just God is here. And you don't know what might happen today. You, you don't know what insights you may get. Maybe it won't even be from the preaching. Maybe it won't even be from any song. Maybe it won't be from a prayer. Maybe it'll be from somebody, something someone said to you in the hallway. After all, we are not to neglect the gathering together so that you may encourage one another. And right before that passage, it says, let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So while so much we come into this place to honor God and to worship God, we, we also come into this place because of each other and the encouragement that we can, and the building up that we can give each other. I hope when you pull yourself out of bed at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning or whatever that may be, that you come to this place with a sense of expectation. And may I say something to you? If you don't, that is either a spiritual issue for you or maybe you need to find a different church that you come to that church with that type of expectation. Not a been there, done that. 
They met together. They were gathering together. And Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be, you will be my witnesses. And there, no telling when they had this, when they were together and the, what, was the, what's, what, what was the coming of the Holy Spirit going to be like? What, what, what's God going to do through all this? There had to be a sense of expectation. You know, friends, you can't have a sense of expectation if you're very content with your level of spiritual maturity. A sense of expectation is, comes upon me when I think, man, I can, I can be walking closer to God next week than I am this week. I can be walking closer to God next year than I am this year. But if I'm saying, if I'm, I'm pretty cool, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty comfortable, I'm pretty content. I'm not really expecting anything. While we're satisfied with God and we're so pleased with who he is and he indeed satisfies, the Beatitudes still says, blessed are those who hunger and who thirst. I know I'm, it's not a good translation, but, you know, in that hunger and that thirst, I wonder if there's a blessed are those who come expecting that God's going to talk to them, that God's going to speak to them, that God's going to hear them, that God's going to do something in their lives today. We come into the house of God and we come with one eye on what God's going to do for me today and another eye on who can I minister to today, who can I encourage today, who can I pat on the back today. I hope we come into this place as two-eyed Christians. Yes, on what God's going to give me, do for me. But how, how, can I, how can I be an ambassador? It's crucial to gather well. Oh, yeah, it's crucial to scatter. But not to the neglect of gathering well. Gathering well. And one way we gather well is to be able to have a sense of expectation coming into this place. I hope you have that in your spirit. Wow, what's God going to tell me today? What's God going to do for me today? Well, I, I, I want to get there because, because I, I need to talk to so-and-so because I know she's been going through a tough time. Something welling up inside you. It helps us gather well. What else do we have up here? Mark, go back to all of my scripture, if you would, please. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. Next slide. They were, when they arrived, they went to meet together. They stand together. It's the most natural thing in the world to gather with like-minded people. And all of them were there. Peter and James and John and all of them. Next slide. Next slide. And they joined together constantly in prayer. They joined together. They joined together constantly in prayer along with, woman, along with the women and Mary, mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. I, told, I, t I said this on one night. I don't remember if it was on Sunday night or Monday night, so it will be a repeat for some of you. But when those, when those words say they were all together, it's just not like they were together, like we are together right now. It's just not like Sue and I are going to the store together. 
we're going to the ball game together. The boys are going to jump into the pool together. The emphasis on the word is literally together, together. It's, it's a double emphasis on the word together. It's, 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 it's unity. It's gathering a cord in one place. It's of like mind. It's together, together. What makes a gathering good? Yes, a sense of expectation, but a sense of together, together. We don't agree on everything. Who cares? How could you ever get two people together that would ever agree on anything? If two people are together and there is zero... I, I, I was upset with my staff because we went on a retreat a few weeks ago and I had all the staff take little post, little um, index cards, and I said, I want you to write something about another staff member that bugs you. <laughs> Some, something that you would like them to do a little bit different in their line of work. You know what? And when I read over those, my staff was too nice. <laughs> Or they were not honest. <laughs> because how can you work with eight or nine people, however many, and not have something that just kind of hmm, rubs you the wrong way? Wish she wouldn't do that. Wish he would say that a little bit differently. Anytime when people are together, there's going to be some conflict. But this together, together thing, friends, is a unity in our desire to be able to have God to be able to move on us. A unity in our desire to God be able to come and speak to us. A unity in our desire to be all that God has for us. A unity in our desires to become Christ-like disciples. A unity in our desire to be all that God ever envisioned for us to be. We want that. And some of us are going to vote for Obama, and some of us are going to vote for Romney, and some of us like this, and some of us like that. But we're together, together. And, and some of us... Some of us wish that the drums weren't up there, and some of us wish that Brandon would comb his hair, and some of us just... <laughs> Love you, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Literally, the word is not just to gather. Literally, the word, there's, there's a prefix on the word that means together. Then there's another word that means together. It's together, together. We're in this thing together. Oh, we, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but we're in this thing together. And may I say to you, again, if we're not in this thing together, 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 it's either a spiritual issue on my part or maybe I need to go find another church where I can be together, together. A sense of unity makes the gathering, the arrows coming in, even better. A sense of expectation of what God's going to do for us makes the arrows coming in, makes the gathering even, even better. In the next few weeks, we're going to continue to kind of expound on it. 
What do y'all do as Zenia Nazarenes? Well, we gather and scatter. What do y'all do in that church? Well, we gather and scatter. Why do you, why do you, why do you, why do you, why do you go to church so much? We like to gather together. We like to be around people that think the same as we do. Why, 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 are, you, why are you going out and doing that in the community? And why, why do you work down at Target Dayton? And, and why did y'all go to Indianapolis and, and, and label soap? And why, why do you, why do you do all that? Because we scatter. Because we scatter. We're the church when we gather. And we're the church when we scatter. And that's what we've got. It's a serendipity. But just maybe God was directing us on all of this. That it's just not the external focus. Oh, that's important. But it's just not the external focus. The gathering together is really, really important. Church. May we gather well. Church, may we scatter well. You're all going out to live the 168 hours that God is going to give you this week. And you're going to be in this place. This count, I mean, even if you come back on Sunday night or something, you're going to be in this place, what, two, three hours? Most of it God has given you places of influence. God has given you places where you have an impact. God has given you places where you're in relationship with people. Your home, of course, your work, your neighborhood, in those places. Scatter. Scatter. And be the church. Not only this way, but that way as well. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, I'm afraid these people are going to get tired of me over the next uh, X amount of years that they put up with me as their pastor as I talk about gathering and scattering, as I encourage them to go scatter. Uh, but Lord, it seems like you laid on my heart that this is all we really do. This is what we're about as Christians. Father, help us gather well. Help us to gather better next year than we're gathering now. Help us to just, just, may the worship service be more impactful. May our small groups be better. May our Sunday school classes be, be better. May our children's ministries be better. May, t- may, we, may, we, may we do things just better to your glory. Help us to gather well. But Father, help us to scatter well. And as we go to our individual places, and as we go here and go there and go to work and go into our neighborhoods and, and have a neighborhood block party and have people over to our house and all that kind of stuff, May we remember that we're ambassadors of you. And may we remember that we're scattering. You've scattered us. In the name of Jesus, help us to be good ambassadors for you. It's his name we pray.
I may touch this next week, but I think by Acts 7 or so, maybe 8, they hadn't scattered out of Jerusalem yet. They hadn't done what he wanted them to do in Jerusalem and Samaria and all parts of the world. And so I think in chapter 8, persecution came. And did God allow that persecution? So they get out of Jerusalem and scatter and be salt and light wherever they could be.